Welcome to Walk It Off. Happy Hour Hang. The bonus episode, the addendum, the extra that you're getting for listening to the radio program. But this is our midweek, a little bit looser recordings. But you get video, so you get to see us as well as hear us. Your radio voices, and now you're, what, YouTube, on air, whatever we're putting this on? Uh, just streaming in hosts. General internet hosts. Hey, but let's have some fun. It's Walk It Off, Happy Hour Hang, so... Oh, I love that sound. I'm so glad we got that on that sweet mic you got right there. Here's to you, Viru. What is, are you imbibing there, my friend? Well, it's partially your fault. Because last week, we started talking about sours again. And I got in the mood for it again. So I got a, a victory sour monkey right here. Nice. I haven't had a good victory beer in a long time. Not that I've had bad ones. I just Fair haven't enough. had one in a while. I like victory. I actually haven't had this one before. Me either. So I like the Golden Monkey. That's a beer that I'm a big fan of. I do too. And again, we were talking about sours last week, so decided to get back in the sour game. I respect and this it. Is a sour triple. So my favorite beer in the world, I'll go ahead and say that right now, is from here in Nashville. Tennessee Brew Works, triple. I love it. It is a very good beer. I've never had a sour triple, though. That is, that's super awesome. Yeah, instead of a nice sour session, this is a sour that'll also kick your ass. At yeah, I know. I know. That's why, that's why, that's the beauty of doing this show from home, because it's just a short <laughs> stumble to that bed. But. That's that's beautiful, man. I love they have their I think it's their Victory Pills is one of the first beers I really really dug. Um, I remember getting that all around Nashville back in the day, but really good really good beer. Nice, yeah. I think they do have a sour session as well, but I haven't tried that one yet. So well, I think we'll, we talked. Uh, about we'll it. go on to the sour monkey and see how that works. There you go. Save those sessions for two p.m. on a Saturday, man. <laughs> not when we're here late at night on the happy hour hangs on no. one hell of a sports day that's right no holds barred man well to celebrate that's why we delayed it one game right we wanted to talk about all this stuff yeah it, well you you messaged me yesterday like should we do the show and i was like i think there's going to be a, a a no hitter i was like we just gotta wait for this no hitter that's going to happen tomorrow now in fairness to me i didn't know who but i knew no, i had no clue but here we are, and time is is fickle and fateful, and uh, it has come together perfectly today for us to talk about some pretty cool happenings in the world of sports. How about that, Carlos Ra Carlos Radon with the no hitter? Man, what a great story for him! This was a guy who was a hyped prospect who was going to be a big, huge part of this Chicago White Sox youth movement and their next great team. And then had that string of injuries, fell out of favor. There were real questions if they would even pick up his contract this year and bring him back. But now he stays with the team that drafted him and goes out there and throws a no-hitter and damn near the 13th perfect game in baseball history. That's a shitty way to lose it, man. In Isn't the ninth it? inning, on an 0-2, he buries the slider and it clips the top of the shoe. Of Carlos Perez at the plate. <laughs> the only flaw in what ended up being the no-hitter. So, man, what a great game. Good stuff for Carlos Rodon, too. Yeah, that is 
you know, we were talking about this earlier uh, when we were talking about the validity of like a, of a no hit uh, game. They uh, oh, hold on, pause, timeout. Was that was that for a Grizz W or did they just pull ahead? Oh. Hey, they uh, they pretty much locked it up. <sighs> Beautiful. All right, we'll catch up Two on seconds that, left, but Grizz, here we go. Big game, primetime TV. Like I said, man, this has been a great sports night. And having the Grizz on primetime on ESPN, I'm still working hard to push that WWJDT. It's not really catching on yet. But come on, WWJDT. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly the only thing that's missing are, are wristbands, and that's what we need to invest in at this point. Ooh, it is not over yet because Grayson Allen can't hit a free throw. Two-point game, 1.8 seconds, yeah. Oh, boy, this is going to come down to it. Uh, we're going to see a definitely a Doncic. Pause right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. We thought, it, we thought it was over. We're, is this gonna, they're going to go to – Real quick. They're going to go to Luka, right, in this situation. Are they inbounding at half court? I don't know if they have that. Uh, yeah, they had a timeout. So. Okay, good. Yeah, that's right. They called timeout. So half court inbound. Statistically, they give the Grizz a 94.6% chance of winning this. So 5.4% chance that something miraculous happens for Dallas. But they've got one of the most potent scorers and passers and ball handlers and just all around good players on that team. This could go either way. It's kind of scary to have the ball in that kind of hand at the end of this, at the end of a game like this. Should we just go ahead and, uh, broadcast it you want to do the play-by-play can we do that <laughs> not without the express written consent of the national basketball league oh hey oh real quick i've got the express written consent of the national basketball association oh, yeah, yeah me too see it's right here and the nba right P- nba pl yeah that's right yeah uh we're we're legit we've been saying that so yes no doubt yeah we need to catch what's going on here this is Exciting for it to come down to the wire like this. Boy, this game has been a battle. They have done nothing. The Grizz have kind of kept the upper hand all game, but it has been a battle end to end. Just a fantastic back and forth game. What a what a show to put on in your primetime game right here. Wearing the great uniforms, getting ready to go. And hey, there it is. Yeah, it looks like uh looks like they pulled it out. I'm I'm lucky enough here on my stream to... Oh, dude, we're going to overtime is what's happening because Luca hit the shot. Oh, all right. I get to watch it here. Let's see. I'll give you a play-by-play inbound. Overtime. Inbound to Luca in the corner. No. He hit that leaning forward. Could have made an argument for a foul. Didn't look like they called it. That was a pretty incredible shot for him to hit. We've got free basketball, y'all. That's crazy. Damn, he turned it on in the second half. Luka Doncic's 25 second half points. And ah, oh, what a back and forth game. It ends up going to overtime. Hey, it's more time for us to appreciate this incredibly fun to watch Grizz team wherein maybe would have been come some of my favorite uniforms in the league. That that Stax Edition City uniform right now. Yeah, I like those a lot. With the gold type and the black and the the classic Grizz along the striping. I like it's it. It's a great look. That court looks great. The 20th anniversary court. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I feel like what I, what, I, what I love about this, this Stax uniform especially is 
I feel like it meshes with the identity of this team now a lot more. I mean, we've talked about it with no animosity or negativity towards the previous identity, but this team has taken one of the biggest cultural shifts of any NBA team we've seen in a long time, going from that grit and grind that was about as definitive of an identity for a team as some as a team could have to this brand new up and coming high flying uh team led by John Morant and th- that's what i love incredibly about these stacks fun to watch. incredibly fun to watch and the stacks uniforms i feel like uh, give us a little bit of distance i don't want to be fully distanced from the grizz of the past Just let me be clear like we need to bring this identity to that old icon to that old brand but to be able to see it like a new brand associated with it is kind of cool. It brings a little new life uh, to to this new team. I like that point. And they got some gold. It's flashy mm-hmm. for a flashier team it that is. we're seeing right now. It really makes a difference. It gives it a, that identity. Of course, we won't get to see it for more than a year because of that stupid-ass rule. But Well, you never know you when that will change. Oh, no way. They called the foul. Oh, what? Look they, away for one second. No, no, they called it a three, is what it was. Oh. I need to see the replay on that. He was, I will tell you this, his body. That's a hell of a way to lose this game. His body was at least at a 45-degree angle, if not if not lesser than that, to the court. And, and I think uh, it's a stretch for him to have been behind the three-point line. He must have taken off from there and just been elevated. That's a heartbreaker, man, because I, I think... Holy crap, to lose the game on a replay? <laughs> I, I cannot believe that. And, you know, I've got a little extra uh, sports hatred towards Luka Doncic because of... Uh, as, as I think you probably do because of that spurned draft that should have included the Knicks and the Suns. Well, Knicks weren't in that one. <laughs> but, uh, oh, that's right. My bad. That was a different one. The Suns picked Aiton o- over Doncic, which I love DeAndre Aiton. He's been really coming on lately. But uh, but a little extra hatred towards Doncic, Doncic because of that, and I hate seeing those things go his way, especially in a yeah, game like this. in the bag. They had the European coach and the staff. They had the – everything was right there for them to take Luka Doncic. And then Aiton kind of got the helium right at the end. Yep. And then at least you didn't end up with Marvin Bagley, right? That's true. Over Doncic. That's a, that's a great point. Like you can't say that Aiton was a bust number one. I really don't think you can. You can just say that Doncic was clearly a lot better, but time will tell because they've both moved in different directions this year. I honestly think. Uh, I can't believe they called that a three. (laughs) Would you, how do they call that a three? Would you have said, that that was a must-win game at this point for the Grizz? No, it wasn't a must-win, but it was a big, big game big for game. sure. Big game. I mean, you're you're playing the team that's right in front of you in the standings. Everybody is fighting to, for positioning in that ridiculous play-in round that's going to be going on. That that hurts a lot, especially when they were playing so well and had the lead for most of this game to get beat on a miracle shot that we thought tied it up. We looked away for a second, and then the refs went to replay, and... Gave the win to Dallas. Gosh. I honestly Apologies. Yeah. That shit, man. He's they still here. Yep. We're gonna 
we saw a lot of fight tonight. So more things that are uh, optim I build optimism for this Grizz team. There, I just, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, besides losing a heartbreaking game like this, I feel like they're coming together more and more. And especially in this game, it was so encouraging for them to gel like they did tonight and get a full game on the Mavericks. Puts them on course for what I think is the most important thing they can do right now, which is get into that sixth seed. Like, yeah, get out of that the plan. Wizards too for that, so that'd I, be tough. It, it would be tough, but, but even in that one full field, it's such a big advantage to be a seven or an eight than a nine or a ten. It is, but I mean, tell me this: Would you rather play uh, as the standings are now? Would you rather play San Antonio? Or would you rather play Golden State in a play-in? It doesn't matter. You got to win twice <laughs> if you're a nine or ten. That's a good point. Otherwise, you just need one win if you're a seven or an eight. So. That's a that's a good point. So you Big get you, better weight in your direction have being a seven or eight. So uh, yeah, that one that one definitely stings. But yeah, what a show they put on in prime time. And their gold uniforms looked a hell of a lot better than Dallas's gold uniforms. So agreed. Take that, Dallas. Nobody likes you. Stay in Texas. Yeah, there's, there's something out there for the Grizz. And yeah, Ja did a couple more spectacular things. Again, just what will Ja do tonight? You got to tune in. You got to uh, <laughs> you got to watch what Ja did tonight afterwards. And it's just that three sixty layup attempt he did, bouncing off a player, was insane. And just that air that he got on the wide open runway dunk, yeah. throwing it all the way back before hammering it down. You don't see point guards do that that much. Just dropping hammers when they dunk. You don't see many players do that, especially with that flair. Even when they drop a hammer, like it's not that kind of body distortion that he masters in. You know, uh, Jeff Van Gundy and the the, the 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 announcing team they were bringing up a good point about about where his game should go next, and it was pretty clear, especially if he's taking a step back, the three point that that would be it. This guy would be so deadly if he had. If he could be looked at as a three-point threat, then it's like yeah, there's nothing the he can do. We're all waiting for. Yep. That next step, that leap to superstar status, because he's got everything else. I still think as soon as he came into the league, he was showing off probably the second-best handles in the entire league after Kyrie Irving. Yeah, which is incredible because he does so much more, I feel like, than Kyrie Irving in the lane, which is a totally different game. Kyrie's a great finisher, one of the best in the league. So I don't want to say that like there's this giant gap, but Jaw's game is just different, and he's got a great eye too. Um, for he gets above passing. the rim way easier, way easier. <laughs> That's for yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah, he's he's an impressive guy. He's not that outside threat yet. Need to get there. T- took a step back this year, which is not not the best sign, but the uh, the team has stepped up otherwise to offset that. And we see Luca flashing those amazing style points too. That thing he's shot right now where he does that pass over his back out of a shooting motion. It looks like magic. I'm still I've watched those in slow-mo and I'm still not totally sure how he does it. Those are incredible. Well, credit to Don- Luca because what he does is and I mean all these top players do it, but you just know He's got this extra level of commitment. I don't know. Like he practices that stuff over and over and over again. That's the only way those things come come live. And we look at it and we're like, man, they just have this athleticism and intuition to be able to do whatever they want in the moment and make a crazy pass. But the truth is they've done that 
hundreds of times in practice before it even hits the hits the game. And that's what's impressive about seeing something like that is that's just not made up on the fly. That's something that's been planned and practiced so that he can execute it and throw people off their game. And you add it to something like that vision that can't really be taught, that natural yeah. point guard vision that knows what's going on, where his, pe- his players are at all times. It's it's so impressive to see when they can do that. What looks like an out-of-control car- out careening drive turns into a perfect dime, setting up somebody else for three-point shot or something. It's it's beautiful basketball. It really is. Yeah. That's my favorite part, that I think is still some of the great OG basketball you see in today's NBA. We talked about that when we talked about March Madness. It's a different kind of game, right? Like, I will never sit here and shit on the NBA. I like the NBA. I think it's fun to watch. I will always say that March Madness basketball, the sport itself, outside of the tournament structure, not March Madness, I should say, college basketball, is a much better game to watch. And it's a much more... I don't agree with you, man. I think it's I think it's so much more fun. But but you lose... It's kind of devolved into the same way. You get teams like the Syracuse Zone or something, or Virginia, who just tries to slow the game down to an absolute crawl. Or you've got that closer three-point line. You just get everybody bombing threes, and whoever's got the hotter hand wins. Yeah, but I feel like you have wider variety because, frankly, there's just a, a, a larger volume of teams. Uh, and because not all those teams have the coaching intuition or the the talent or the funds or whatever it is to chase a certain type of basketball. Whereas in the NBA, you, you, put, a, you put a rabbit out there, and everybody goes after it, and they try to duplicate the same thing. And then, and you, and you have star ball too, which you just don't have to the same degree in the NCAA. And both of those things, I think, take away from it. They're just different kinds of games. And you also have the different element of, I don't root the same way for a college basketball team or player or anything like that, the way I do for the NBA. And that changes the amount of fun. I mean, I'll watch more NBA games for sure, but I think the game itself is a better form of basketball. And that's purely an opinion, right? Like that's just what I think is a better, more challenging way to watch it than what the NBA does. No, but it's true. And you can say the same thing for the WNBA and things like that. True. You know, very true. Players who are getting by on what you would call more old school basketball at this point. And it's fun to watch, but man, something about, when it's March Madness, that's why it's so much fun to watch. It is the March Madness. It's the stakes that are on every single game that winner. That does home. change it. And in fairness, I that's when I watch the most college basketball. So my sample size of making that opinion is mostly watching March Madness. <laughs> and hey, hopefully the fans in the crowd will be back because that's something that's just oh man, so so intrinsic to the experience that makes it so exciting. It is. It'll be just big. Fan bases go wild. We're going to see that soon, whether we like it or not. And uh, and it's going to add an element to our sports. But um, here they are, though. We've still got them. We've still got crazy games like we had today. And I guess that's the beauty of it is we've still got these things going on. And it hasn't stopped the great competition on the floor. Oh, we got great games. we got no hitters. It's There's something new in sports every day. And it's such a fun time, especially with you know, NBA and NHL sort of coming down to the wire a little bit. Man, how about this Preds run? 
Oh, they finally God. did what we asked them to do. Make a statement win against one of the top teams Wasn't in the league. Wasn't that huge? Coming out and smoking the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look, Vasilevsky wasn't in net, we know. But still, coming out there and just running the Lightning, giving it to them, that is what we've been asking for. Despite this hot streak, that's going to put a little bit something into Tampa Bay's mind if they are the team, or if Carolina is, if anybody is the team that ends up facing the Preds in the first round of the playoffs under this new format. They just prove they can run one of the top teams in the league off the ice if everything's working for them. And again, this is with all these injuries, you know, God, it was so great to see. And hey, what do we tell you about RV looking like he's playing his best hockey of the year right now? He's heating up. We need that from one of our stars like that. I mean, and, and we got one from, from the captain today too, or the other day in that, in that game. This was just... We don't get these opportunities that often to say that's exactly what we needed. I feel, I feel like, and especially me being a perpetual optimist, I'm always grasping for like, what is the good thing we can look at? And so we spend a lot of time on these airwaves and on these video waves and these internet waves and these Wi-Fi waves or whatever they are. Oh, hang 10, bro. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so I'm wearing this shirt. Um, uh, I was going to make <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to practice. I practice just about every day. I practice Spanish, which I still can't speak at all. And I, uh, I practice my, uh, uh, my, um, my Bill and Ted, uh, impressions the best <laughs> I can because I, I just really like it. So, uh, but uh, where, where's that on? Lego? I know. Look for it. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's under Spicoli. I think is what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Some people think it's Italian, but it's not. Uh, there's, um, th- there's, we're, we're finding these things where we find optimism, right? Like we talk about the Grizz gelling, making a battle tonight, and like, but that's not really the symbol we were looking for tonight. Even if they'd have won, it was great, but like, there's more we want to see out of them. We want to see a win streak, and we want to see it sustained. This is the kind of thing we absolutely needed. The, the Preds have already given us that win streak. The Preds have already shown that they can do something consistently and bring their team together. What we really needed to see, and you said it perfectly on the air on Sunday, we need them to, to just give it to one of these really good teams. And they came out and they gave it to the best freaking team in hockey, the reigning champs in their division. It, we could not have asked for something better. And honestly, it is the big kicker for me to really start believing in them. Certainly I was excited and knew that there was something turning a corner, but this really makes me think that this team could be something to be weary of in the playoffs. It'll be fascinating to see when players start coming back from injuries because the energy that some of these new guys have been given. I mean, we, we talked about Yakov training becoming a threat, kind of cementing his place in there. What about, you know, Jeannot's been spectacular as kind of an energy guy on those bottom six for the Preds so far. And then he gets rewarded with his first NHL goal in that huge win over the Lightning. We're definitely seeing a lot going on. And hey, the trade deadline passed. It was, as we were talking about on the air, the Preds ended up being pretty quiet, basically standing pat. But they did pick up another defenseman in Eric Goodbranson, who... Basically, is another body, but you you want big bodies for that. And one of the things we were talking about that we were, you know, getting online trying to bring up to some of 
some of the other people around town who were a little confused why the Preds would pick up a guy like that at the trade deadline. First of all, it didn't cost them very much at all. But they didn't subtract anybody. They just added Goodbranson. But Goodbranson's a guy who's been around for a long time, and he's known as a big locker room guy. And that's what we mentioned that on the air. The team seemed to have been paying a premium this off this trade deadline season, this unprecedented times season when everything is so weird. Teams were paying a premium for good locker room guys, for leadership, for known roles yeah. like that. Known quantities, yeah. And that's that's something that the Preds did pick up in Good Branson. They picked up somebody who's known around the league as one of those locker room leader types who's only going to bring some good vibes to that team and paying a very small price for that. Why wouldn't you make that move? I, I, it is low risk, high reward. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Not super high reward. Like he's not going to blow everything out, but like the risk is minimal, if non-existent. And I think you even, and the reason it is, is because of what you said. Like we talk about this in the, in the NBA trade deadline, especially for those teams, because I feel, well, I guess it's pretty even, but when your team is gelling, the last thing you want to do is bring somebody in. Like, let's say we'd have made a deal for Taylor Hall. That's, that's a big locker room shift. That's a major locker room shift. And there's a lot of, uh, of, you know, puck sharing and, and scheming that's really going to have to change to make that work. And they didn't have to deal with that in this, in this respect. So without low disruption, especially since he's a locker room guy, is a premium. Like you said, that's worth it. And then the fact that he gives us depth, and David Poyle said that as one of the major reasons. We've had, if we've struggled with anything this season, it's been having enough players to play, even though our depth has stepped up. So I, I want to say that depth has been a struggle, but it hasn't as much because our depth has really shown up. But we need more players to be able to stay consistent throughout this, and especially in the defensive side. So, like you said, it's a guys body. Have been dropping along the blue line this My season. My gosh, I know. I know. Get be another prepared. big body. Why not? Yep. I would have liked to see them make a couple moves again with all that depth. And when people start returning, there's going to be a surplus. There's going to be players who aren't going to be able to get on the ice or yep. play their usual roles. And I would have liked to see the Preds maybe make a couple more moves with an eye towards the future. Maybe picking up a couple of mid-round picks for some more expendable pieces they have. Yeah. But in the meantime, this shows that David Boyle does believe in this team. He's not going to be ridiculous. He, you understand the situation. You're still in a league with a division with three juggernauts, and you're the fourth team as of now. You're not going to sell out more of your future to pick up, you know, to make a Taylor Hall rental or something like that. Yep. But, hey, make something happen around the edges and mostly stand back. Mostly believe in your team. Yeah. There wasn't a sell-off. But, hey, as I say that about the Preds, I think that was the wrong move for the team out by you. The Arizona Cardinal uh, Coyotes staying completely pat at the trade deadline absolutely shocked me. Did. I mean, they do have a chance to make the playoffs as that four seed in their division as well. That's definitely true. I usually like it when a GM says that they're going to allow their guys to continue that run, to make that run to the playoffs. But after Matty Ekholm, basically the Preds played their way so he wasn't on the trade block anymore. Gugliowski became one of the biggest names you could have gotten. It, it, it seemed like the perfect time to sell high on him as a guy 
everybody was looking for for their defense to shore up, every contender. And to not even sell off your pending unrestricted guy, that seems kind of like a short-sighted move. It seemed like they could have done some more shuffling. Because as much as we say the Preds, you know, the value of getting that four seed, this is a team that's made big playoff runs before. I know the Coyotes had that one year when Mike Smith got hot and knocked the Preds out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But anything could happen. But, I mean, you're far away from that right now if you're Arizona. Pick something up for those guys, definitely. Yeah, agreed. Um, It certainly feels that way. I mean, you can make the argument that they're trying to send the the message that they feel like they can do it. And, you know, you want the team to be able to do that. There's an art to that. Or like selling off, like right on the cusp there. I mean, what, what, what Chicago, it looks like they've been doing. I mean, we know they've been free falling. That's clearly saying, all right, we're resigning ourselves that, that this isn't going to happen, which benefits us. But that's really, that's really hard when you actually do have a chance. With that said, I mean, I don't see how you look at Arizona and not think that. And so standing pat was probably the worst one, right? Like you don't sell off. You don't buy like crazy either. Like you don't make big risky purchases for the short term at minimum. But maybe you try at least some things in the direction of what the Predators did that say, all right, let's shore up and give ourselves a chance to get over this hump and play some meaningful playoff games. Or you do the smart thing as an outsider is probably to do exactly what you said and try to get some value out of the guys that they have there that have the market value. And, but it's just hard because honestly, that team has been competitive for years, not good at all, but they're holding on to like a thin thread that is, is really dangerous. And that's where I don't want the Preds to be, which is what I love about and I have a hard time saying it out loud, but I really like that we took such a dip and young guys stood up because that tells me that worst case, if we don't have a deep playoff run, we've got some retooling towards a team that has a lot of potential there that, that could be, that could be really exciting within a couple of years or over the course of those years, rather than hanging out with a bunch of veterans that we love and trading around them to just barely make it into the playoffs every time. And that's, that's where you don't want to be. That is, that's no fun for everybody, even though, you know, you're winning and you get competitive games. 13 wins in 16 games makes a lot of things feel a lot better. It does. And pretty much, you know, getting moving towards that playoff spot really feels great. I do believe that, you know, it's going to be tough, but there's a chance the Spreads team can make a run again. There definitely is. But the two biggest stories of the season, for sure, are... Ellie Tolvanen stepping up yep. into a top six role and UC Saros claiming the number one goalie spot. And Those are huge moves. Huge. And and have we not, what, what's so funny about those is we've been talking about that forever. We've been wanting those storylines to take place and we haven't been wanting necessarily for, for Pekka to be usurped, but we, we've been wanting Juice to step up. And, and and really earn that spot that he's been given the chances to, to do. He has, certainly hasn't blown it, but for him to really grasp it has been really exciting and certainly wanted Tolvin in to make that step too. And like you said, he hasn't been given the chance hanging out in Milwaukee, but now he's he's there and, and really making that impact. And those are two of the best signs, whether we're good this year or not, that we could have asked for 
to leave this season with. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good. It does. Have have that optimism again. Have that optimism around Nashville, around the Preds. It, it always makes everything a little bit better. Yeah. But yeah, we're getting ready to this point right now where our other boys in gold are about to take the field. Nashville SC starts their season on Saturday. Yeah. And we'll be there. But a little, uh, a little surprised now that Davidson County just announced this week that they are removing the mask mandate as long as you're outdoors. Which, you know, honestly, outdoors, nobody's really worrying about it too much anyways at this point. That's very true. But I do think about for the sporting events. Yep. That's outdoors, right? It Are they going to count that if you're at Nissan Stadium, if you're at you know First Horizon Park? Does that count as outdoors? It's a great it's question. Yeah, but in a facility, that's a great. I mean, it's a great question, Drew. I that is where it gets really risky. I I'm concerned about that for sure. So that'll still be interesting to see. Uh, I'm excited to get out there. I'm ready for opening day. Really stoked for the game to be back. But it, yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation going back. You know, concerts are starting to come back now. That's such a huge thing here, especially. Everything's starting to open back up, and we'll see if people can be responsible about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right? We know how well that's gone over yeah. the rest of this hell year. Yeah, dude. Okay, it's... There's some optimism. We And we should always choose the optimism, right? Like it's cautiously optimistic. Know that there's risk, but that doesn't mean be pessimistic about it. And like, let's get excited. And I think that's what we do. We should and we want to do on these airwaves is talk about how exciting things can be and certainly will be. But we'd always caution and we're certainly going to do that. When we go to events, uh, you know, I've been to an NBA game, masks, space, you know, like, even if that's lifted, I'll tell you what, I will always be wearing a mask for for a while now. And I, I think that's really important, and especially when we're talking to our fellow sports fans where indoor or outdoor, outside of concerts, we're one of the areas, and churches, I guess, we're one of the areas where everybody gets together all the time. And it's really important for us to be as cautious as we can for the long term because are there a million health reasons, right? We all know about it. We all want to look out for our neighbor, all of those things. But let's put it in general sports terms. We don't want to have April of last year again. We do not want to go into this and say, oh, the Masters is canceled. Oh, my gosh. MLB's delayed. Oh, my gosh. The NBA's delayed. Everything's canceled. Uh, MLS isn't going to happen. And go through that whole situation again. Like We want to be able to keep the opportunity to go to these games so whoo it's making me nervous man but i'm so excited for them to start coming back look we're getting this chance right now they're coming back you might not even have to wear a mask but that makes it even more incumbent on us as the sports fans as the people going to these events as the people getting fired up for this it puts it even more on us to be smart to take care of our fellow spectators to respect people's personal space, to respect people's you know, rights out there and fears out there, to be honest. It does. To just be good people out there and be good neighbors. So 
Let's let's enjoy our games, but I can't wait to fucking hug and high five a stranger again when the sounds at a home run. I'll tell you that much. I know, dude, and I, I I can't wait to hug and high five my friends. I'm gonna be out there seeing you face to face in a little while, and I'm certainly excited about that opportunity. So, whew, let's uh, let's do it be, in in sports parlance. Let's be good teammates, right? It's all about fraternity, uh, uh, and it's all about uh, you know we put it in in singular terms like fraternity and brotherhood. But the truth is it's all about kinship and we're all together on the same team and the all in, in the same group in the same family. Uh, so looking out for one is looking out for the other. And that's what we all need to do. That's it, man. It's that easy. And we learn that through sports. You and I talk about that all the time, man. We are here, not just because we love watching sports, but we played them and they molded us. And they molded us in a lot of really good ways. And a lot of those are look out for the people that are around you, that you have agreed to, you've committed. It's not even agreed. It's like you've committed to being part of, of an objective together. And that's when you look out for each other. Like I said, that's a family. And that's all of us in this together to do this. So, you know, let's do what the Predators are doing, man. Next man up, let's figure it out. Let's work, let's work all together. Let's do what the Grizz do. With five players scoring in double digits, man. Everybody stepping up and making this happen. It's a sports world. Well said, buddy. Well said. We were just talking about the value in trade value and real life value in in sports value of being a good locker room guy. Yeah. This is all of our chances as fans to be that good locker room guy, that glue guy, that leadership. This is our chance to do that. So step up, do the right thing, and enjoy the damn sports responsibly. And then we can get back to, you know, hashtag hug the homies. I'm still hashtagging it. I'm not doing it, but I'm hashtagging <laughs> it. I need to, I need to, I'm trying to will it into existence, man. Yeah, can't, I can't wait, wait to get back out there. I fucking Let's love see that these games. I love that hat very much. <laughs> can't wait to get back to some Grizz watch parties. Well, here's to us being able to watch some Grizz in the playoffs coming up soon. Because uh, those are going to be... That would have been a fun one. You know there would have been a watch party. For sure. Oh, my gosh. We'd have been playing darts all night, too, dude. Afterwards. Yep. We'll get there again. And and I guess one of the great things we can take away from this landscape of our sports teams we talk about... I mean, let's take a quick inventory as we wrap this, this show up, right? Like, let's look at... Let's just look at all our teams, right? We got, we got the Grizz. Arguably, we're talking about our professional team. Arguably at the bottom fighting for a playoff spot, a team that is nothing but on in the good rise. Shape. Yes, in very good shape with a, a legitimate star on their team and up and coming players all around them. And then you've got the Predators, uh, arguably in the next rank. Like this is, this is a rank that's all debatable, but you've got the Predators who, by the way, have been the best team in Nashville for the last five or six years. So they, they're, they're the most recent to run to a championship uh, 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 finals uh, and have been the most exciting team in Nashville potentially ever, honestly, in, in professional sports at least. And then you've got the brand spanking new MLS team in Nash SC who in year one made a great run and made themselves a contending team, even after being disrupted, missing the uh, the welcome back tournament, all of that stuff. And then we've got hmm, conference playing in the conference finals. Who else has done something like that recently? Hmm, I know. Isn't that, isn't that nice? 
And then we've got our Tennessee Titans. And they're coming up into a, a, a fantastic spot that they've been for building into for years. And everything coming into this next season, I mean, a championship level team. Let's just define them as that way. Everything this year, we look at the landscape of all of our teams is uber promising, dude. Like playoffs, 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 baby. That's what you need. And and let me just one more thing on top of that. Not only playoffs, but you can see beyond this year, right? Like it's not. I don't feel like the James Harden Rockets. You know, like <laughs> that. That was there was no culture there, and they were a team that lived and died by one player. None of these teams feel that way. There's important players, but there's a lot of promise here. And that's exciting for all of Nashville. And it's certainly exciting for you and I looking at what will come as games start opening up. Cannot wait. And hey, don't forget. Hey, hey, before we get into it, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, yeah. This is a really good beer. What's that fancy can over there? This is a really good beer. Well, you're calling it a fancy can, but you thought it was a, uh, you thought it was a banquet beer five minutes ago, but. Uh, which, by the way, is a really nice kind of fancy looking bottle or can. But a banquet beer is one of my go-to cheap beers. All right, when me we're too. out at shows and everywhere. Banquet and high life. I mean, that's Coors Heavies. This is uh, from my pals at Renhouse out here in Phoenix, one of the greater breweries. Uh, when I was at the Southern Grist anniversary party a couple years ago, the last one they did in person, uh, they Renhouse was there. It was a lot of fun to see some Phoenicians representing there. Uh, this is their Nitro Irish Extra Stout. It is dry AF, and it is malty, and it is delicious. And all I want to do is take a sip of this and a handful of your Irish soda bread and just, like, stuff it in my <laughs> mouth and just go back and forth all day long. It's it's a really gorgeous beer. Well, that sounds like a beer you could drink a cigar with, too. Oh, no I, doubt. You know, smoke a cigar and drink a beer. I you drink. Sometimes about. I drink my cigars. Cigar City <laughs> there we go. That's it. I love it. Pulling pull it back in. Let's go. Well done. That's that's radio expertise right there. <laughs> but hey, there's one team you uh, you didn't mention in our Nashville roundup that we're so damn excited about the return of the Nashville Sounds next month after the delayed minor league season. I know they're already eliminated from playoff contention, which is a real bummer <laughs> because there are no because everybody is. So so they're because... so they're the champions otherwise. They're uh, they're playing for pride this year, and development obviously since it's the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. But it's still one of just the best times in the spring and the summer here in Nashville is a, a day out at the ballpark, and we've been asking them. Uh, trust me, man, I've been on them asking. Okay, they've sold the partial season ticket plans. We know there's going to be limited tickets. What about the berm? And I had not gotten an answer. But then an email was sent out today about single game tickets, and it finally clarifies that there will still be berm seating this season, that you buy day of game, same as always, only purchasable day of game, general admission, sit out there in the grass, pull up a blanket, pull up a beer, and have a great time in the outfield. It's my personal favorite way to enjoy a baseball game anyways. Me too. Laying out on that blanket on the berm, on that beautiful ballpark right there in Nashville, watching baseball as the sun goes down with a beer in your hand. I'm getting chills. You're right, because you, you have such a great view of the sunset from right field over there. Uh, a fantastic time. Yeah. So I'm, and a little extra Left bonus field. this season. 
is yeah is left center yeah left center. But a little extra bonus is that i feel like that's also the best place to be in right now when we were talking about being good teammates true and responsible spectators if you're out there on your berm seat and there's a group of people next to you who are uh shitty teammates who are being real assholes about mm-hmm. it you can just get up and move that's right and shift your blanket every time i've been there and i've been on the berm many many times and i've seen it packed there's usually roughly six feet of space barring maybe like opening day uh where it can get pretty crazy it's usually pretty easy to find that and you can move around you're absolutely right it is a great option for all of us uh to spend time there and it's i agree it's my favorite place to watch baseball I think ever, honestly, I honestly think that's my favorite place to watch a baseball game. But you're right, man. I absolutely love it. Can't wait to get back to the park. And we'll we'll be there opening day and hopefully for a whole lot of games during this season, even if it doesn't end in a playoff berth. But hey, yeah, what you can do. That's not the point of the minors. No, certainly love seeing them play in the playoffs because we've been there. We've watched them compete for those. Uh, but I... I don't care that much. I go there to watch the games and watch the prospects and eat uh, uh, jalapeno corn fritters. And that's it. <laughs> and drink a little Harpeth lager. And I'm there for, uh, well, they got that jackalope lovebird, too. That's for oh, a that nice summer nice. day. That is a great one. And then you can get out there and enjoy those. Oh, man, those barbecue chicken nachos. Yeah. And just their tots. Let's just say their tots with their callback sauce. Is that what's called? Comeback sauce. My bad. I think they call it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just awesome stuff. I cannot wait to be out there again with you, my man. This this has been this show. This tonight's show has been one of the most enticing and like uh, <laughs> teasing shows that we've had. Where it's just like so much anticipation. I just sure, want man. it all to come together. It is. It is. It must be cold there, Drew. Is it cold? Oh, just kidding. <laughs> But Wait, what? <laughs> uh, let's see if YouTube Hold lets on, out. Get me a basketball jersey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, it doesn't violate YouTube's uh, YouTube's policies. We have to put put little X's <laughs> over those guys. Just kidding. They're not even there, but uh, at least visible. But we got a lot to look forward to, dude. And I can't wait to talk more about it with you. Absolutely, buddy. And hey, the minor leagues are going to be a, a testing ground this year. We just saw the new MLB plans for the Atlantic League. Their new newest testing ground. Pretty fascinating stuff. What what did you think about moving the pitcher's mound back a foot? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if that's going to make any difference. Pitchers are so good right now. They're so big, so strong. Catchers set up differently behind the plate for every team anyways. The last time the MLB made a change to the length of how far it was to throw a pitch, they moved it five feet. And yes, yeah, strikeouts went down and runs went up, which would presumably be the goal to do it again. But yeah, I'm not so sure how much one foot would really matter. So I actually like this testing because they're going to do it. They're going to split it up. It's going to be regular 60 feet, six inches for the first half of the season. And then the second half of the season, they're going to go to the extended length, 61 feet, six inches. And then they'll have a control group and a new one, and mm-hmm. we'll see if it made any difference whatsoever. And then they're also going to go to the double hook DH rule, which I think is <laughs> a little sketchier for sure. That's when 
every team will start with a DH, but when the starting pitcher gets pulled, the DH is considered batting for that starting pitcher. So the DH has to come out of the game along with the starting pitcher. Which, in theory, provides a balance between a DH and the National League game of the managers having to make a lot of pinch-hitting decisions and and their pitching changes as the game goes on. Yep, I can see and that. And it entice pitchers to pitch deeper into games and maybe you know go through the order an extra time and run scoring will go up. It'll definitely kill the opener. That strategy will be straight out the window. Yeah. So that one's that's one in, intended or otherwise consequence that we would 100% see with that. But honestly, the more I think about that rule, the more I think both fans of the DH and fans of National League games will both not be happy. It doesn't really satisfy either of them. And it, an unintended consequence that I see right away happening there is you have to expand your bench because that's just going to make make you have hitting specialists, basically, the way that bullpen specialists have proliferated during the last couple decades in MLB. When your DH isn't guaranteed to make it through a whole game, it'll be really strange to see what, yeah. what managers think of. And personally, I think it would basically end up with situational batters. Yeah. It'd end up with interesting managerial decisions. But, man, the way that it extend that bench and have specialists... Like, this is my home run versus lefties guy on my bench. This is my contact versus righties guy off the bench. Yep. You know, you just have situational hitting, and it, it could be interesting, but it could be a huge change in the way the game's played. It could slow it down even more. And also, encouraging pitchers to go deeper into the games, as well as that extra foot on the mound, you have to take injury considerations into plan. True. So it's it's good to test it. I like that the Atlantic League has become basically a interesting ideas incubator. But the idea that baseball is throwing this out there the year before the CBA is up and they go into a new round of negotiations with the players makes me think that it might not get all the testing it should be getting. Yeah, it's definitely you can definitely bet that it's being rushed through, right? In in order to make that deadline uh, weaponized. I mean, Negotiation tools. Yep. It's so sad to have to say that. But it's true. It's what they do with everything. Um, I mean, every point I totally agree with you on. Uh, quick point of clarification. So is that – does it have to switch have to be made for each pitcher or is it just the starting pitcher? Well, it would be – after the starting pitcher, it would have to be pretty much every other pitcher since then or the relief pitcher would bat. Or the relief so. pitcher would bat. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's – yeah, I mean, you're right. That's exactly what the NL has to do. So, boy, but you're right. It seems so extra complicated. I don't know. I do love – my fa- one of my favorite things about baseball are those managerial decisions. I love all those little minuscule decisions they have to make. And, and creating more tiny situations like that is fun to see those. But overall, I guess what I think is I just – this is where I struggle with a lot of these changes. Is personally, I just don't think we need it. I don't think there's a problem to be solved there that – That's what the baseball fans have been shouting at Rob Benfred his entire reign as commissioner, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. It's it's all Those a little bunch of – fixes yep. that don't really do anything. No, they really don't. I mean, they don't. That That's really, really the issue with it right there. I am intrigued. I don't know. I just, 
I hate rules like even moving the, the, the mound because I know we don't talk about it that much, but like, so it really doesn't affect it as a whole, but like that changes the way you look at records. It changes, you know, we like seeing apples to apples. And if a pitcher is coming up now that is going to have to pitch through that, like they are not going to be able to reach the same degree of effectiveness that their predecessors could. And that's, I don't know, that's disheartening, especially when there's not a real big reason to do it. Now, with that said, if I trusted baseball, if I trusted Manfred, if I trusted the MLB to do this the right way, I think they should be experimenting with stuff left and right in the minors. I really do, because then you've got a major pipeline of small things you could do that potentially could affect the game. And then you only bring them to the table if you've seen that they do affect the game. Because you've exactly. tested them. not after one short test. Exactly. Like damn runner on second extra inning thing. And yeah, I don't know. Yep. These are big, as far as baseball fans and traditionalists go, it's not really a bad word. Like these do affect the way we, we see America's pastime yeah. and the way you look out on the field and go, okay, this is baseball. It's this classic sport that just means so much to so many of us. Yeah. And then you see someone point to first base and the batter who walks over there instead of taking pitch outs. Yep. Like, wait, what the hell's going on right now? Wait, why there's a runner on second? What is, wait, the game just, you got a complete game after pitching seven innings in the first game of a double header. Like this isn't the baseball I know. Yeah. So yeah, if you're going to do these changes, test them out for a while, putting them out there for one season or half a season. And then thinking, you know, exactly what it's going to do to the sport. Seems very short-sighted and just, again, it just seems like techniques to try to fix things that aren't broken. When the main problems, like baseball has two problems right now that are definitely affecting its place, more than two. But the major problems within the sport itself, not getting into socioeconomic issues or anything like that, are that games are going too slowly and there's not enough offense. There's not enough balls in play. I would say to be more specific. Those are definite things that you need to find something to do. Cause it's infuriating to watch this game now and you have the best players in the world and they don't know how to situationally hit. They don't know how to hit with two strikes. It's just strikeouts or home runs. Yep. This damn search for efficiency. Yeah. But you know, everything's going to change. You just have to make that not efficient, and it would go away naturally. Yeah. I don't think everything needs to be legislated out. It's just that natural ebb and flow of point and counterpoint. It's a good point, and that's why testing it out over a longer period of time will allow a lot of that to kind of flu- be, uh, I don't know, naturally balanced rather than um, rather than forcing it in such small increments that really just creates this little kind of hamster wheel of chasing things. So I agree with you. That's why testing ground is huge. And one of the main reasons why the miners need to stay around, honestly, we've seen them get threatened. And I think what I like about that is it creates more value for that, for that league, um, which I think is a good thing also. So boy, it's going to be fun to watch how baseball fun and painful to watch how it, it plays out, especially through this year into the next CBO. CBA, sorry. Let's just hope there's no work stoppages, man. I ah, There's nothing yeah. worse than the threat of that, especially after we lost baseball. We lost all of our sports for a time during this pandemic, except football, which got all its games in. True. We Technically, we lost preseason games. 
but no one cares. Nope. <laughs> okay with that. We lost the Pro Bowl, but no one cares. I'm okay with that too. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, after we, especially after seeing all this, you would think that it would incentivize everybody to work together to make sure there's no more stoppages, to make sure you can get that product out on the field and see how much it means to everybody. But hey, I mean, you got your issues. That's it, man. And we know the culture in a lot of these leagues. So they're different. And the contention between players and and, uh, franchises and owners there in in the MLB is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to overcome. All right. Hey, let's turn this thing around before we get out of here. And let's go back to that optimism that we had of getting back out there, of getting back and seeing some games, and of watching our Grizz lose a fucking heartbreaker in prime time. (laughs) Tell me, dude. (laughs) Ugh. But a fantastic game all the way around. Just, yeah, man. Watching the Preds kick the crap out of the first place team. The Grizz on primetime TV looking good. The sounds telling us we'll be back on the berm this year. Lots of wins, man. I'll tell you, we also have to look forward to the fact that we've got... Going to, we've got our second shot this week, both he- you and I. I know yeah. we'll both be there. Yes, that's right. Full, we're half-vaxxed now. Fully vaxxed and by the end of this week. There. Yep. I think things are changing, man. It's going to be a great few weeks because we're going to be right here. We're going to be on the radio on Sunday. We're going to be right back here. We've got these shows planned. We're having a blast with them. And we're going to be able to recount this major stretch where, like you said, we're opening up two new leagues uh, are kicking off in the, in the coming weeks. And then we've got these two teams that are pushing – for playoffs. And so essentially, I guess what I'm saying right now is we're in the playoffs right now for those two teams. That's what we should be looking at. So this is going to be a stretch of really, really fun basketball and hockey that we're going to be covering right here, uh, in our, in our hang, happy hour hangs, which are a freaking blast. We need two shows a week now to catch up. So make There's sure enough. you're tuned in, of course, every Sunday night on WXNA 101.5 FM in Nashville. WXNAFM.org, anywhere worldwide, streaming and in the archives, so you can yep. catch up, even if you're not awake on a Sunday night for us. So we'll be handling everything, man. We've got our professional radio program out here in Nashville on Sunday nights, which is so much fun to do and so fun to wrap everything up on that setting on the airwaves. And then we're right here, midweek happy hour hangs. Here's to you, brother. This is awesome. On walkitoffradio.com. And, of course, to keep up with everything that's going on, follow along, social media, at Walk It Off Radio. Everywhere. And hopefully we'll be up on, what, your podcast players, your YouTube, everything else. That's the plan. Make Appreciate it you more, working more on this technology stuff. <laughs> hey, we're a team, just like we talked about, dude. So we're bringing this together as a team to all of your ears, and part of that team is your feedback. So uh, the more you can share with us as to what you'd like to hear or see, let us know, at Walk It Off Radio. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, walkitoffradio.com, all the fun stuff Drew said. There are so many ways to connect and so many things we could talk about. We always run out of time, even with two hours a week now. (laughs) For sure. It's always a good time. So thanks for tuning in. We love you guys. It's just so much fun to be out here talking about sports and such a good time for it, too. Yep. Finding, Finding that optimism, finding our teammates. That's right. Our teammates, and we'll see you on the airwaves on uh, on Sunday night. See you then.